driving up Santa Cruz last week, I saw a license plate frame that read, he who has the most joy wins. Now, obviously, that's a takeoff on the cliche, he who has the most toys wins. Today, I want to tell you that we're here to capture, by God's grace, Easter joy, which is the richest source of joy in the world. Everything else dims by comparison, and I hope you come with that kind of expectancy today because I believe that's what God would give to you. You know, so often we, in our kind of world, we feel isolated from each other. Technology has led us to relate through email and fax machines and voicemail. In many ways, people are saying we're becoming a society of strangers. To some degree, that's probably true. How tragic if you felt like a stranger in God's house. We hope that's not true for you today. Worship is that wonderful gift from God that is calling us together on a, on a beautiful Easter morning into one place. And God's reminding us that we're family, we're not strangers. Uh, and, and he wants to give us Easter joy, particularly to those who need it the most. I, I need to tell you that if you come here um, without a smile, I just hope the Lord's going to just break that concrete on your face before the end of the hour and, and dare you to find and to respond to the joy that you're going to hear in the music and the songs ahead of us. You see, we believe every one of you are here by divine invitation. God makes no mistakes. You may have come kicking and screaming, and you may come as a cynic and a skeptic. There's room for everybody here. But I believe that God wants to meet you, address your gravest doubts, meet your deepest needs, to prove to you that he's real, in spite of all the evidence to the contrary in, our, in media and the various representations that you see of Christians. Our prayer is that before you go home, you're going to experience the resurrected Christ whom we believe firmly to be alive. And not because we talked about him or we sang about him, but because you met him and he caught you by surprise and he filled you with Easter joy and he gave you a smile that you didn't think was possible anymore. So in this spirit of expectation, welcome to our Easter festival.
invited you decided to join us for Easter. I want to apologize to you here on the steps. They're really not too bad seats. You're just up close. And I want to put our arms around you who are in the overflow. Um, the one advantage you have is we really look better on the screen than we do in real life. I, I looked. Our color is better. The biggest thing that I want us to realize today is that there's no room for strangers in God's house. We want you all to be friends. And I'd like to have you take this opportunity to connect and give some handshakes and hugs and give each other a warm Easter greeting. Happy Easter!
the book of Isaiah, we read the prophecy of one who will come to save us from ourselves, our deceit, and our pride. That one was Jesus. It's his gift of himself that we celebrate today. Let's read about it responsibly. He had no special beauty or form to make us notice him. There was nothing in his appearance to make us desire him. But he took our suffering on himself and felt our pain for us. He had done nothing wrong. He was wounded for the wrong things we did. He carried away our sin. He was hated and rejected by people. He had much pain and suffering. We didn't even notice him. He willingly gave his life. He carried away the sins of
As the ushers come forward, we want to remind you about our special Easter offering, uh, which will go to assist Mount Hermon to rebuild and expand the Newton uh, Child Care Center, and also go to the uh, Habitat for Humanity 1997 Appalachian Project, which is going to build 50 homes in a one-week period of time. Uh, we want to remind you that uh, if you want to participate in this offering, you use the uh, envelope and the pew rack in front of you, and all other gifts not in that envelope will go to the ongoing needs and ministries of this church. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we proclaim the wonder of the amazing love you have given us in Jesus Christ. He was flesh and blood and died a death so horrible on our behalf that we can barely comprehend it. As the Son of God, he could have called on the legions of angels to save himself, but chose to be obedient, even to the point of dying for us. Today we celebrate the fact that the grave couldn't hold him and that he lives with you in eternity and offers us the same hope through him. Take us from the grave of our rebellion and disobedience and through Christ help us to break down the walls that divide us from you. Break the chains that hold us as we celebrate the prize you have so graciously offered us, eternal life with you. Amen.
scripture reading this morning comes from the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your soul. What kind of God could shape the earth and stars and yet watch the sparrow as it flies? What kind of Father could forgive the failing heart and dry the tears that sinners cry. If eyes could know one glimpse of heaven, he must be given his He must have strong hands that guide with gentle touch. Gentle touch, and emotion. 
Would you bow in prayer with me? Lord, we so rejoice that you revealed God the Father to us as a God of hope and a God of joy and above all as a God of love. In these next few moments, I pray you're going to touch all of us wherever we are in our spiritual journey from the cynic who doubts the whole thing to the seeker who wants to believe but can't to those of us who know you and are here to rejoice and worship you and do a miracle of letting us see Jesus in a way we've never seen him before and to find the joy he would give to each of us personally. I pray that in Christ's name, amen. Some months ago I was in a jacuzzi on top of a hotel roof with some slightly intoxicated people. They were playing a game and it was based on the book What If? And the game consisted of one person reading a question from the book and everyone in the group proceeding to give their answers. I'm certain they didn't know I was a pastor as I sat there and listened to their <laughs> questions and, and answers. Anyway, when this particular question was asked, my ears perked up. What if I knew I had only one year to live? One individual said, well, I'd party my head off. Another, I'd sell my house and go on a traveling spending spree. And not to be outdone, a third said, I'd eat and drink everything I could imagine without worrying about gaining weight. <laughs> I wonder what your answer would be. I found it fascinating. No one in that jacuzzi mentioned life after death, God, heaven, hell. It was obvious for these people, everything that they valued, they thought had to happen before death. You see, the fact of our mortality is very real. And yet we have spiritual hunger for something more, even though we mask it with preoccupation with all these temporary distractions our culture offers. Recently, San Franciscans celebrated Herb Cain's 80th birthday and subsequently his death. Herb was quoted as saying, if I get to heaven, it'll be wonderful, but it won't be San Francisco. Uh, Mr. Cain's attitude toward life beyond the grave was somewhat cavalier, but you see, even behind his remarks, there's a hunger indicated for an existence after death, but he had no certainty of what that life would be, and he, and he couldn't conceive that it would be any better than what he had had writing for the city of San Francisco. Mr. Cain is not alone in his hunger for something more. Spiritual hunger is real. Time magazine this week features on its cover a question, is there a heaven? U.S. News on its cover this week, life after death. Books on spirituality and near-death experiences are bestsellers. Two popular television shows, Touched by an Angel and Road to Heaven, focus on God and heaven and angels of all things in prime time. The tragic cult deaths of this last week that stirred our hearts were rooted in a perverted hunger for life after death, or as the headline said this morning, hunger for eternity, but it was a hunger fed by a sick leader. Heaven isn't the only object of our spiritual curiosity. People are fascinated by hell. The Chronicle interviewed a cross-section of people, and the interviewer was 
surprised to discover that the vast majority of us believe in hell. I quote, many think it's cold, others insist it's hot, some say it's here, most think it's not. Practically everyone has told someone to go there. This place of damnation has fascinated and frightened people for thousands of years. Well, what's my point? While spiritual hunger is real, very few have found real certainty about life after death. We're searching, but we haven't found it. Following the crash of TWA 800, my own heart was saddened by the interviews of the relatives. Not one I heard expressed any certainty of where their loved ones were or had any hope of ever seeing them again, or at least nothing they expressed. Death was the end. Spiritual hunger is real. And satisfying this hunger in our souls for something beyond the limits of mortality is what Easter is all about. And that's why God planned it, and that's why we're here. Easter is the good news. The good news that God has provided in Jesus an opportunity for every one of his children to break with the prison of our mortality and to find eternal life. You know the problem? Indifference, skepticism, cynicism, if not outright rejection of the gift, preoccupation with lesser things. And yet the reality of our mortality remains. Society continues to seek some magical ways to conquer, delay, or defy death, as seen in fads of fitness and staying young forever, miracle diets, beating disease. A commercial features Melanie Griffith saying about a new cosmetic, don't accept aging, defy it. But you know what? The death rate remains 100%. <laughs> and spiritual hunger continues in spite of our efforts. And it has some tragic consequences, living without a hope. Many teenagers, when asked, 85% in this survey, when asked said they don't expect to live out a full lifespan, and therefore they live with the view of doing it all now because there may be no tomorrow and there is nothing after death. And we wonder why we have a drug problem. And when asked why people take drugs, these are adults, leave their families, go into debt, their classic answer is the clock is ticking, if I'm going to do it, I better do it now. So what is this Easter good news that's generally rejected or treated as an oh hum by society? It's stated very clearly in the Bible, and that's our source of truth as Christians. We read, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. The Bible connects finding eternal life with being born again, and that's a term misused, abused by everyone, Christians, non-Christians alike. But it's interesting, when Jesus talked to Nicodemus, he was one of the most religious leaders of his time. <clears throat> he was a man who believed in God. He was a good man. And yet Jesus told him if he wanted eternal life, he needed to be born again. You see, the shocking and offensive news from Jesus is that being religious, believing in God, doing good things, being a good citizen, has nothing to do with finding a passport to heaven. That's new. According to Jesus, a person finds the certainty of eternal life 
by accepting his diagnosis of our deepest need. Nam namely, we need a completely new start. We need a new heart. We need a new birth. We don't need rehabilitation, re-education. We find eternal life by agreeing with Je Jesus that we've sinned. And we can't restore our relationship with God by any good works on our part. We find eternal life by trusting that Jesus died for our sins on the cross and that God raised him from the dead, conquering death. That's the Easter message. And you see, the reason we're happy today is we know because Jesus lives, God can forgive our sins. And he can welcome us into heaven. We don't have to earn our way. We don't have to dread judgment because we know who we are. We know what we've done. And yet, because of Easter, God gives us this thing we talk about and sing about, amazing grace. God loves us so much, he was willing to go as far as the cross so we could be with him forever, and we don't have to earn it. This is the good news of Easter. But you know, there's more. Easter hope is not only a treasure for the future, it's a powerful power to help us cope with now. The Bible says, in this hope you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. In a family this big this morning, many of us I know are perplexed, some of us are burdened, some of us are brokenhearted, some of us are carrying things beyond our own strength. Relationships, finances, jobs, health, children. We're concerned about our country as we seek to deal with the complex moral, economic, and environmental issues. We're concerned about the world, Albania, the Mideast, Africa. It could happen here, obviously. And Christian hope provides believers with the certainty that God has plans for our future. And they're very good plans. And history's final chapter is not gloom and doom, but the triumph of good and truth and righteousness because Jesus is alive. There's a message on t-shirts that Tony Campello sells when he's here. He's a, he's a speaker we like. And when he visits us, he, he brings them. And, and the t-shirt captures the essence of our hope. It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. You see, no matter how dark the times and trials might be for you right now, a believer's future is assured. If God can conquer Good Friday through the resurrection of Jesus, he can conquer anything the forces of evil have thrown at you. Easter hope puts everything that drains us and frightens us into a new perspective. We don't have to make heaven happen here in this life. God has all eternity to make things fair, to heal the hurts, to mend broken dreams, to make up for what maybe you've been robbed of in this brief time. We don't have to join society in using the entertainment industry, sports, world, physical fitness, the diet craze, or drugs to escape problems because we know all those answers are deficient. Jesus is our resurrected, triumphant king, and we look forward to that day, and we know it's coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord, and the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And, there, and all the sickness and death and tears and the brokenness in your life and mine today will be gone forever and righteousness and truth will reign. That's what's up ahead and that gives us a power to cope now. This triumphal day is coming as surely as Jesus is alive. And that's why we believers are a weird breed. We can rejoice in the midst of our trial because we know evil's never going to have the last word. And nothing in this world can destroy God's long-term plans for us. There's nothing that can separate us from his love. And living with that confidence, we can cope with anything. I want to close with a question. If you're a seeker this morning, 
you're kind of curious about what we're talking about, how could Easter hope become relevant for you? As a child, I always said my bedtime prayer, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, and if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. I didn't teach my children that prayer because I thought later on its theology and no wonder I became a Christian at an early age with the thought of dying before I wake up. Anyway, I won't get into that, but that's a little bit of leverage, you know, my ex-church used to use. But I reflected on the prayer and I thought of turning the question around and asking, what if we should wake before we die? Easter hope this morning is God's wake-up call asking us to wake up to what's real, to live for what counts, before we die and leave it all behind. Jesus speaks of weeping and gnashing of teeth after death. That refers to the regret some people are going to feel when they realize they've devoted their affection and their energy and their hopes on things that time and death take away. When they realize they've been climbing a ladder and they get to the top and it's leaning against the wrong building. While neglecting things that matter their relationship with a God who loves them and the gift of his grace that he tried to give them in his mercy and his forgiveness in Jesus as Savior because he wanted everybody to be with him in heaven, but we were just too busy or too cynical or too smart. I want you to know Jesus offers the gift of eternal life to everyone here today, and that was his primary motive in bringing you, obviously. And he offers it to you even if you feel you've blown it so badly God could never love you or forgive you and you've done things you can't fix. And you can't believe that you're ever really going to get to heaven. Don't believe it. I want you to know that the very hands that were nailed to the cross were nailed there for you to pay for your sins and mine, and now they're open to receive you into God's forever family. Jesus said, anyone who comes to me, I'll never cast them out. You can become a Christian today, and Easter hope can become your hope only the problem is becoming a Christian is so easy that most of us write it off. I wish I could make it complicated enough to appeal to the type A achieving personality, but I can't. <laughs> this is how you become a Christian. Lord, I accept you as my savior. I can't save myself. I can't repair my broken relationship with God. I can't undo what I've done in my sin. I need you. I want to spend eternity with you. I have lots of doubts, but I want to be with you. Help me. As I understand it, that's how you become a Christian. And God gives it to you as a free gift. So let's go back to the beginning. If you knew you had only one year to live, what would you do? Well, the facts are we are all mortal. Physical death is inevitable. If we knew we had only one year or 10 years or 30 years, my prayer for all of us would be that our first priority in life would be to get things right between ourselves and God. And we do that by accepting Christ as our Savior. Death is inevitable. Eternal life with God is a choice. And our decision to accept or reject God's gift is one of the most awesome things God ever put into our hands because he gave us the power to damn ourselves if we want to. God wants you in heaven with him, but you can say no. Our decision to accept or reject God's gift determines where we'll be and with whom we'll be forever. And that'll be the most awesome decision you ever make in this life. And not to decide is to decide. So as we go to prayer, if you are lacking certainty about eternal life and you'd like to find it, even if you're filled with doubts and questions, if you'd like to try Jesus, just tell him you're full of doubts and you don't understand it, but you know you need what he's offering. 
Ask him to make himself real to you. He's been doing that to me for over 50 years. His arms are open. He's ready to receive you. And there's no one, I repeat, who is beyond the ability of his love to bring into wholeness, no matter what you've done or who you've been. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord, we celebrate the glorious news that you're no longer a humble carpenter, but a reigning king. Knowing you as Savior frees us from having to fear you, God, and living in dream. Lord, open every heart and mind here today to understand who you are and the grace you provided by going to the cross. May we celebrate with joy, replacing our fear and guilt with forgiveness and hope. You alone are God, and we stand in awe at your power and wisdom and above all your love that created Easter. As we pray in the name of Jesus, amen.
we're so delighted that you chose to spend Easter with us. I trust God has heard our prayers and that you found a taste of Easter joy. And that you're filled perhaps with some hope that you didn't have when you came here. And above all, I hope you know God loves you. There's a traditional response that Christians have made through the years, and we join Christians in the past and present. When the pastor says, He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. We have one more gift of joy for you if you'd be seated for about one minute. had a wonderful time leading you in worship today. Now go forth and have a marvelous Easter and share the joy you found with someone who needs it. Goodbye and God bless. <laughs>